TV, I say, with Ashley Ray. It's Come one on. boat. You're not going to miss it. You know, maybe it's, it's two less trips on the private jet. You're not going to be able to remake the kitchen and your fucking brownstone in the Upper yeah. East Side, and I think you'll survive. You'll survive, okay? You'll find a stock or something or some Get rid of the seat warmer on your gold fucking toilet and give us our money. Welcome to TV I Stay with Ashley Ray, your go-to podcast for discovering what to watch on TV and getting behind-the-scenes insight from the people who make the shows you love. Uh, you just heard a little tease of my chat with the amazing Francesca Ramsey, who's an actress, comedian, and writer on a lot of shows I can't talk about due to the strike, which coincidentally is what today's episode is all about. We're going to get into everything. What is the deal with those overall deals? What's an interim agreement? Why are the actors striking and what do they want? We're going to explain everything. But before we dive in, we're going to try out a new segment where my producer selects a TV-related tweet for me to give my thoughts on. So this week's TV Twitter take comes from Maggie of the Town, who tweeted, I need people who are not in any unions to stop trying to play a hall monitor. We don't need you yelling scab at everyone because you think you're being a hero. 99.9% of the folks in both striking unions want to do the right thing and are following our individual strike rules to the best of their abilities. We don't need you calling folks names and throwing false accusations at them. I just saw folks on TikTok trying to form a fan police to try to report completely innocent folks. You're not helping. (laughs) Maggie. Thank you for saying this, Maggie, because I absolutely agree. You know, I think people on the Internet love to play police. (laughs) We love to be like little sheriffs who figure things out when someone does something bad or says something racist and we find them and get them fired for their job. And that's great. But with something like the strike... Obviously, scabs horrible. Uh, There are some clear-cut examples of scabbing, say on General Hospital, where they hired scab writers to actually do the job of other writers. That is a clear case right there. But also, Justin Simeon, who's the director of that movie that Disney just put out that probably should have come out in October when it's Halloween, but instead they decided to put a haunted movie out in the summer— Uh, Justin did the red carpet for that movie, even though the writers and the actors were not there. But he is a director and the Directors Guild had already reached an agreement. So it wasn't scabbing. It was him doing the job he was contracted to do as a director. So it's it's really complicated when people have dual hats. Justin is also a writer. So, yes, he is striking with writers, but he still has to, you know, do what his other union says. It's the same thing with Barbie and what happened there where uh, Noah Baumbach was like, well, I'm not going to do it because I stand with the writers. But Greta is a writer and a director, so she was still filling that role. So it gets so complicated. (laughs) No one, I would say, has the same parameters that they have to follow. So no, TikTok, don't try to be fan police. Don't try to arrest actors who are just like retweeting a show they like. (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah, sure. Some people can't retweet. They can't quote tweet things. They can't, you know, say that they're on a show, but they can show appreciation for other shows. So unless you are in the union, you are on the SAG team that is keeping track of all this, you don't need to worry about it. You're not getting paid. It's not your job. Go mind the business that pays you because it's definitely not yelling at TV writers who promote a show that they're in because writers can still promote their shows. So take a breath. Listen to Maggie of the Town because she's absolutely right. And there you go. Hello there. It's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Francesca Ramsey, welcome to TV Club. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, Before we dive in, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, your acting, writing background, and about the TikTok videos that you've been making about the strike? Sure. Um, I am a TV writer, producer, and actress. I've worked on shows like I 
Weekly and The Nightly Show. I've written for award shows, including the Oscars and Black Girls Rock. And as an actress, I've appeared on The Nightly Show. And most recently, I was a recurring character on NBC's Superstore. Yes. And um, I got my start in TV because of my online presence making YouTube videos. You might know me from Shit to Black Girls or from Decoded on MTV. And so I've been making content on social media, but especially on TikTok about the writer's strike and the actor's strike. You are, I would say, an expert across so many different channels. <laughs> I mean, okay, we had the writer striking. Yes. Complicated. Yes. Now the actors are striking. Yes. Even more complicated. Yes. And there's all these rules. A big part of them is influencers can't do certain things. Actors can't do certain things. There's certain things they can do. It's all a confusing mess. And yeah. you have been such a wonderful presence oh, in the you. middle of all of this. Thanks. I mean, I, I really found out early in my career that I had a special talent for taking big concepts and trying to boil them down into digestible little nuggets. And so when it came to the actor strike and the writer strike, I really felt like I had an opportunity to do that in a creative way and and just make things so that anyone who wants to support the strikes can do so. And especially because I came from social media and crossed over into film and TV, I want that for anybody who wants that. Yeah. And so that's why it's been really paramount for me to stress to influencers, like, <laughs> please support us. But also yeah. if you have aspirations because I'm going to tell you that influence a check don't ask forever. It doesn't. That, you know, supporting us can potentially open doors for you uh, in the future if you want to potentially join the union. Yeah. So we're we're going to have you break down so much of the, the complicated <laughs> negotiations. Yeah. But we have some TV news this week. I want to talk about Pee Wee Herman, who just passed away. Uh, and then truly, just before we were about to record, we found out Angus Cloud from Euphoria passed away. I just am so shocked. Yeah, it's really, it's really sad. We were saying right before, it's hard when you, with Angus specifically, see somebody who's clearly struggling and has yeah. been struggling for, for some time. And, you know, I can't speculate because I'm just hearing the news with you, but it was clear that there were times that substance abuse were playing a role yeah. in, in how he was showing up on the red carpet and in interviews. And it's just... It's sad when anyone passes away, but it feels like someone so young, it's preventable. Yeah, and so talented. I yeah. mean, I, I just loved what and he did. And just at the beginning of his career. At the beginning of his career, you know, he clicked with so many people. I feel like most people thought he was the best guy in the show. Yeah. So I, I'm just, I'm really taken aback by that. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe now this will be the end of you f yeah, I mean... I say just let those kids rest after this. I know. I mean, I, I didn't really watch this show largely because I felt like the content was difficult for me to watch. And yeah. I could only imagine that now with the passing of one of their castmates, it probably will be really difficult to work on that show given the themes. Exactly. So, yeah, it might be might be the best to put it to rest. Yeah. And then with Pee Wee, he passed away after a long battle with illness that he didn't really tell people about. He was yeah. 70 which I, he just always seemed like one of those people that I was just like, no, Pee Wee Herman's always going to be there. You know, that has been one of those moments of like getting older where you yeah. start seeing people that you're like, no, I just always thought that, you know, that life ends like yeah. it's inevitable, but not the people that you grew, you up, grew watching. up watching. Like, that you're like, no, they always will be there. That's, yeah. And so, uh, but just RIP to two amazing, amazing people who yeah. change TV in a lot of ways. Yeah. Pee-wee changed TV, and one of them was great on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into this. Let's get into the strike. We did an episode on the writer's strike, so listeners, if you don't know the details of that one, go listen to that episode. You know, some you'll see some repeated themes here, but yeah. we're going to focus on SAG because... There's so much There's we got. so much. <laughs> we're going to do it all. We're going to talk about the waivers. We're going to talk about the announcement this week that they might be ending some of their overall deals and, and what that means. Yeah. Uh, but let's start with why are the actors on strike? We know every three years that the SAG-ATRA, the union representing actors, has to negotiate a new contract with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Pictures, a.k.a. the AMPTP. They're the bad guys here. So if we say bad guys, that's who we're talking about. <laughs> uh, they represent the Hollywood studios, networks, and streamers. Uh, and the two sides could not reach an agreement on July 13th. So the actors declared they're going on strike. Why? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the same issues that were present in the writers' strike. So I'm a member of both unions, and our biggest core issues are around residuals and protections around artificial intelligence. So for those unfamiliar with residuals, 
that is a portion of the profits that go to the writers and actors in order to say like, hey, your show's doing really well. We're making money off the show. You're going to continue making money off of your work, especially when you invest your time and energy into a show that you don't necessarily know is going to become a hit. When it goes on to be successful for the network, that's how you're rewarded for that. And unfortunately, due to the popularity of streaming, and now there's so many shows, the streaming model has made it so that as creators and performers, we don't actually know if the shows are successful. Like they don't tell us. They don't share the same viewership (laughs) numbers as like a Nielsen broadcast where they're just like, oh, we saw three million viewers on the cable box. And yeah, so. They do not tell us. And so for that reason, the metrics that they're using for the residuals are completely unknown. And what you end up happening is, you know, we're seeing actors showing this on TikTok and Instagram. You get these residual checks and they're for like $12. (laughs) If even, I think uh, the dad from Even Stevens posted a check for $0. It's it's really baffling, especially when, you know, for example, Kimiko Glenn from Orange is the New Black. I mean, Emmy Award winning, SAG Award winning, like a hugely successful show that put Netflix arguably on the map. And she was a huge Huge part of it. Like this huge isn't part a of it. bit character. She had, I think, 44 episodes of that show. Yeah. And she showed one of her residual checks and it was for $27.30. Um, so really making sure that residuals reflect the success of the show and so that the actors and the writers can profit off of that. And then when it comes to AI, it's protections of actors' image. You know, this idea that you could potentially be scanned on set and that image could be used in perpetuity is really scary. Yeah, any way they want. And one of the things they requested, I think, was the right to scan background actors. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> to completely replace them, which that's yeah. a huge industry of actors of, you know, I would say the middle class of actors. Yeah. And they're already for the day rates are low to begin with. Yeah. You know? And so you're asking people who are showing up sometimes earlier than the main cast and staying all day long. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're not recognizable stars, but they're sometimes working on multiple uh, productions at one time to then use their image forever is really scary, especially if you could potentially be in something that you normally wouldn't have agreed to. Yeah. Then there's also that potential for, you know, the quote unquote big name stars. If someone passes away, you don't want, you know, we talked about Angus, you don't want your image to then show up in another season yeah. of the show <laughs> yeah. that, that you did not agree to and your family didn't consent to. And then who's making money off of that, you know? Um, so those are some of the big ones. There's some yeah. smaller things that that might not necessarily translate to like the average listener or viewer, but I'm really hopeful and I'm I'm really positive that as frustrating and, and as tenuous as the situation is, we're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. And the reason that we're, you know, holding strong is because we will win and it will be, we will. It's, it, yeah. it, it's inevitable, it's right? Inevitable. Like the, the stri- win. strikes are nothing new. We've had to strike multiple times yeah. in, in the past in order to get our fair wages and to get residuals in the past and to get, yeah, to get this in the first place. Yeah. To get this in the first place. And so it's unfortunate that we keep coming to this situation, but it's going to make a better industry for everyone, including anyone that wants to join the industry in the future. Exactly. Uh, And I think there's a big misconception that people have. I mean, I think when the writer strike happened, people were like, "Okay, writers are poor. (laughs) You decided to be a writer. You're going to be poor. Oh, my God. Uh, But people look at actors and there's been some pushback of people going, well, you're actors, you're rich. These people are millionaires. What do you right. mean that they that they need help or they're not making a lot? Or, you know, what do you mean you're not getting a lot on residuals? You probably got paid a hundred thousand dollars to make that season of Even Stevens. Which- yeah. It's it's really it's really unfortunate that people have that mindset. And I saw someone else say this, I'm probably gonna be butchering it, but you know the big name actors. What you don't know are the names of the people who, you know, show up in all the little bit parts everywhere. It's the person you see in the grocery store and you're like, did we go to high school together? <laughs> no, you didn't. Like, they were the killer on Law & Order. Yeah, they're, they're a character actor, you know. Exactly. They're the working actor who does not have a rec- recognizable name, but their face is recognizable. And those are the people who sometimes are going months to a year between jobs. And yeah. the purpose of residual 
individuals is to reward you for the work that you've done. And it also is to help sustain you between jobs because unfortunately, you don't always know when the next job is going to come. And for some actors, even if you are like a series regular or you're a recurring guest star, sometimes your contract doesn't allow you to go do other projects because, you know, they have a storyline that they don't want spoiled. And if you show up in another show or there's conflict of interest, for example, and then you're asked out, you're like, okay, well, how how am I supposed to live? I I think Angelica Ross just shared a story. Uh, She was working on American she got hit up by Marvel to get that Marvel bag and American Horror she couldn't take it it because she was on hold and you know, it's frustrating when they don't even really give you an answer of right. like why, like what's And the sometimes schedule? you don't know if the show is going to even be a hit or if yeah. the show's going to come out. Like that's been a really big issue for the writers in terms of like these mini rooms where you work on a project and then you don't know if the show is going to series. And similarly, you might film a pilot yeah. and you don't know if the pilot's going to get picked up. You don't know if the show gets picked up and you're even still in it, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> you you were in the pilot and they kill off your character, they or, they, your character or they or they recast your or character. And you're like, oh, my God, I've been sitting around waiting and I've had to not take certain jobs. And it's it's really demoralizing, especially when you look at the profits that the studios are making off of these shows. I think that's the thing that I keep trying to drive home to people. Oh, you're so entitled. Oh, you guys nail these millions of dollars. No, no, no. We're just asking for a portion, a portion of the profits that a we tiny, helped create. A tiny sliver. Like, I think I saw someone make the pie chart and it's like you barely, 2%. You barely for, see the line. For the writers, it's 2%. I don't know exactly the percentage for, for the actors, but it's it's negligible. Yeah. It's it's one boat, Bob one Iger. Boat. It's Come one on. boat. You're not going to miss it. You know, maybe <laughs> it's, it's two less trips on the private jets. You're not going to be able to remake the kitchen and your fucking brownstone in the Upper yeah. East Side. And I think You'll survive. You'll survive, okay? You'll find a stock or something or some. <laughs> Get rid other of the seat warmer on your gold fucking toilet and give us our money. Give us our money. We're making the shows. <laughs> so let's go through some of the major stakes here because I think a lot of the public is reaching this point of frustration where they're starting to notice the movies they're excited about are being pushed. Yeah. The shows they want to watch are being pushed, being recasted. Uh, we're starting to get into the consequence part of this. Yes. And it's easy you to... fuck around and find yeah, out. This is, so, now you're finding out, okay? <laughs> because the next Spider-Man is now going to come out in 2025 and I'm upset. Yeah. And it's easy to want to be mad at the people on strike, but that is incorrect. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to be on strike. Yeah. We would love to go back to work. Exactly. <laughs> So the union presented AMPTP with all of these count with all these offers, all of the proposals they wanted, uh, and line by line, AMPTP went through and either rejected or presented a counter, and most of it is stuff that is really should be really something anyone could agree on. Yeah, uh, SAG was like, maybe pay us on time. <laughs> <laughs> pay us. Okay, this one was the one that like really blew yeah. my mind, and and this is something that um I have personally dealt with on the writer side and on the actor yeah. side, where you do a job and you're super excited about it, and then you don't get paid for, for months. months. And let me tell you, it is so soul sucking when people are like, I saw you in this thing, and you're like, cool. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen my check yet. Like <laughs> I am stressing out, and the AMP. TP was like, no, we're not, we're not gonna. They acknowledged that yeah. they pay historically, they've been paying late, and they said, this not gonna change. Yeah. We're not gonna change There's that. There's like, no, no change to that. <laughs> and for the writers, they were like, we think if we paid writers on time, they wouldn't be incentivized Girl. to do their job. <laughs> like, what? When it's like, I would do my job if you paid me. Do you know how many times I've been in meetings and I'm just like, Everybody else here has been paid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about the, me? Yeah, <laughs> that that is really, oh, man, that's really difficult. I sold a show, and I think it took nine months for our deal to close. Yeah. And that is all time that I'm not being paid, and my bills do not give a shit that I'm waiting, yeah. you know? and. It, to your earlier point, it's really difficult when you're taking these meetings and, uh, you know, you're getting notes where you're on set, right? And you're like, everyone else here is being paid except for me. <laughs> right? That is unacceptable. And again, these are the things that led to us being on strike because yeah. our leadership said, 
that's not going to work. Exactly. So much of this I think you'll see is is like, oh, no, the, the actors are being totally reasonable. Absolutely. Uh, there's one where they asked for schedule breaks for background actors. And I think they made a note that this has not been changed since like 1960. <laughs> oh uh, where they were like, since 1960, we have not changed uh, the allowance of breaks for background actors. They should be allowed more time. Yeah. And the AMPTP said, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, something that I've thought about and I've said multiple times is, have you ever seen that show Undercover Boss oh, where yeah. like the people have to go undercover? Yeah. I think we need that in every industry. Every industry. And I absolutely think that the the counters from the AMPTP exemplify that yeah. because most people are not understanding that when you are a background actor, you are there for so much time. Yeah. You can't have random people popping in and out of the background of these scenes. You're doing takes over and over again. And and it really does feel as if the people at the top of the pyramid don't actually understand what the job what entails. The job is. And I would love for them to just like come to set. See yeah. what it's like, you know, because try to survive for eight months without a paycheck. Without Let a paycheck. me know how it goes. And like I, I they they made a few requests for background actors. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize they often have to spend their own money on styling, hair, makeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they asked if they if the background actors could be compensated for one and a half hours of work time. That's it. One and a half hours of work that would count towards that. Uh, and AMPTP said, we will give you a $35 flat fee. I mean, <laughs> again, it's that thing of like, how much could milk cost? Two dollars? Right. Like they don't understand. Hair and makeup, 35 bucks? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. And it's just... Again, I think a lot of this just shows how out of touch the studios are. And background actors are still, they're still actors. They're still working. It never even occurred to me that, oh, all of those background actors have to do all of that themselves. Make sure their wardrobe is right. Keep track of any changes. Pay them, yeah, even an hour and a half. I'm like, I think we could give more. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the proposals are coming from, uh, I know they do like surveys of the the membership to like ask them questions about your finances and and what your experience is. Um, One of the things that's in here that I thought was really important was um, hair and makeup equity. And again, this is coming from our membership. I say this as a black woman that has had to get my hair cut before I came to set because I was like, let them not. Mess, mess me up because I've been messed up on set before. Yeah. And when I had locks, I did the same thing. I would do my hair before I got to set. Sometimes that meant waking up super early and going to the salon, waking up super early and doing my own hair. And so SAG is taking this information from its members and saying, this is what our membership needs. Yeah. And we want to make sure that we're involved in the process so that when I show up to set, I know they're going to have my shade range. I know somebody there is going to be able to do my hair. And I felt really fortunate that um, when I worked on iCarly as a producer, um, <laughs> I was able to advocate for a black hairstylist to be our lead stylist because we had black girls in the cast. And I said, somebody's got to be able to do their hair. And so we just want to make that standard for everybody. For everyone, because that's another thing that is just going to help with diversity in acting and just diversity of the members of of the guild. Uh, which we want to see, but it's so difficult when you're a black actor and you're like, well, I also have to like bring my own wardrobe and stuff because yeah. sometimes they only have smaller sizes, yeah. or, you know, just being a plus size person. Or when I'm like, oh, they're definitely not going to know how to do my hair. Like yeah. I get there and I see, you know, it's like a nice white girl who's just like, I'm going to do my best. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's really frustrating, but I really hope that audiences are more empathetic to the challenges that we're experiencing because, look, I know before I got into the business, I had this narrow viewpoint as well, but y'all are watching shows and you're dragging actors because their hair looks a mess. You're dragging actors because they look ashy and the reality is it's not always their fault. It's not, okay? So Harper and industry, leave my girl alone. (laughs) First season, those braids, that wasn't on her, okay? It wasn't her fault. And that's the other thing too. I know a lot of girls get braids because they're like, I don't yes. know what y'all are about I don't know to what do. You guys can do. Let me get these braids done so that at the very least I can lay my own baby yes. hairs and throw this shit in a ponytail. And just put it in a ponytail and be updo, okay. Exactly. Put a wrap around it and I'll be okay. Oof, been there so many times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey everyone, this is Gil Ozeri. You may know me as the guy who eats food over a garbage can, or my wife's cute little companion with the ass that won't quit. Or you may know me from Comedy Bang Bang. I play Dr. Sweet Chat and Ned Bellinella, the busiest man, or Irving Sardinus. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to say how much I'm gonna miss Scott now that he's dead. What? What do you mean he's not dead? Well, whose funeral was that? What? Who the hell is Gary? Wow, okay, well, I guess I want to wish Comedy Bang Bang a happy 15th anniversary. Wow, I always have the best time on CBB. It is so much fun to do, and Scott makes me feel warm and welcome and extra wet. So here's to another 15 years. Keep listening to Comedy Bang Bang wherever you get your podcasts. Ruba, go do it. That's right, Ruba. They should go do it. Yes. They should, Ruba, right? Yes. Shouldn't they? No. What do you mean, no? Yes. That's what I'm saying. Ruba, go do Yes, Ruba, go do Ruba, go do That's right. Ruba, go do Another one that really shocked me from the proposals is the relocation allowance. Mm-hmm. So this is something that I think most people don't know. I'll, I'll read it exactly. Drop the ruse that television series regulars who travel to other states or countries for their work thereby become residents who are not entitled to reimbursement for housing and other expenses. Uh, they would like to increase the relocation allowance to sufficient levels. So basically, when you watch a TV show that's set in Chicago, it's not really set in Chicago. They're not shooting in Chicago. Right. They're probably in Toronto. Yes. And all those actors who live in L.A. who got cast in the show then have to go to Toronto for however many months. They have to try and sublet their apartment, sometimes on very short notice. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Like, I've had friends who are like, I have a week, I need someone. Yeah. Uh, They go to the other place, uh, and I think sometimes they're given a one-time fee. Mm -hmm. But once they're there, they're considered a citizen, so they have to get their own place, pay rent. And they don't get a per diem for, like, lunch or, you know, you take an Uber to set or something like that. Yeah, like, most people have to get rental cars. They handle those expenses by themselves. And the counter was they offered inadequate fixed stipends that bear no relationship to the actual cost of spending months away from home to work on television shows. I am going to guess if you're offering $35 to background <laughs> actors for makeup, I bet they were like, what, what is rent? Like $200? How, yeah, how much could rent be? What, 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 you need a rental car? What, what's that, like 40 bucks? Like, <laughs> Have you looked into getting a city bike? Like, yeah, yeah I mean, it is... You brought up so many good points to the fact that you have a quick turnaround time. I know that when I booked like one of my first big jobs, I auditioned for the show on a Thursday and I needed to be on set Monday and it was cross country and I paid my own way and I was able to do it and I wasn't able to find a sublet because it was such short notice and I was paying rent in both places and it was really difficult and then the amount of money I was being paid wasn't that much. And that was really eye-opening for me because I genuinely didn't know that that was most people's experience. Same, yeah. And I was I was on the show for a few months, but there are sometimes people who are shooting for six months at a time or you're there waiting to find out if you're going to be you know, can I go back? Well, we're, we're reworking a script. We think we're going to, you're going to be yeah. a little bit longer. You're like calling your dog walker. Like I think I have <laughs> to say a little bit longer. Ones, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really difficult on top of the fact that you're not necessarily being paid the gazillion dollars everyone assumes that you are. Yeah. And I think people think, oh, glamorous lifestyle of an actor. You get flown all over the world and you get to live in these fancy places. And it's like, no, you're probably in a sad Airbnb in Toronto that you could barely afford. Yeah, it's it's it really, you know, again, the the silver lining is that it's demystifying this industry. And I think especially for a lot of people who are potentially look at looking at creatives and judging like, oh, I wish I could have their life. I wish I was doing that. Like the reality is things are not necessarily the way that they always seem. But again, we're doing this work to make the industry better. And I believe that the things that we're asking for are reasonable. Really reasonable things. It's super reasonable stuff. I mean, even I don't know if people realize like singers and actresses are covered by this. They're also in SAG. And it's really just minor things like, oh, if a singer needs help with like a vocal contractor, they should get they should get payments for doing that work. If they help an actor, I think, sing with vocal contracting classes, they should like get paid. They also sing, but then are asked to do dancing services later. They should be able to be like, hey, pay me. 
Uh, and instead of saying, yeah, you would get paid as a dancer and a singer, AMPTP said, we'll give you 25% of the dancer rate. <laughs> Which is so weird because, like, you're doing 100% of the dancing. Yeah. And then <laughs> and also for performance days, but not rehearsals. Well, you're going to rehearse. You know? Which is still work. Which is still work. I, it goes back to my original point. I don't think that people understand what our work entails. And I think because it is singing and dancing and acting and voiceover, people think, well, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's like, no, it's work. It's skill. The people who are acting and performing in these shows have spent years worth of training. They've invested their money. They've taken out student loans in order to develop their talents, to then bring them to set so that you can then use their likeness to make millions of dollars. Yeah. And all we're asking is to be paid fairly. Like the math, the it's, math is not nothing. <laughs> like you don't have the stuff without us. With us without us. That's so, why we all strike. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of people, some of the pushback again is you're all rich, da, 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 da. And mostly this will just help people from the coast. What do I care about all these people in LA and New York? Da, mm. da, da, da. Uh, but I do want to point out that the union requested something called geographic discrimination. So they requested a discussion with relevant casting personnel regarding geographic discrimination in casting, uh, whereby actors outside of New York and Los Angeles are offered lesser terms for the same role. Uh, so this is something that they are thinking about, that they want to help actors everywhere. Like, yeah. this isn't something that's just going to help I don't know, Gwyneth Paltrow be more famous. Yeah, because those relocation fees, again, like when we're talking about actors who are in Los Angeles who book a job that then shoots in Toronto. But those relocation services also would apply to an actor in Atlanta who's perfect for a part that's shooting in L.A. and they're kind of cut out of the process yeah. because they're not going to pay relocation for them. Exactly. So, you know, again, that's another reason why we struggle with, you know, seeing diversity in television. Uh, oh, and if you were curious what the counter was to that, rejected. AMBT <laughs> <laughs> was like, we don't even want to have the conversation. <laughs> I know. And it's so frustrating because part of negotiations is coming back to the table with an alternative proposal. Yeah. And it's just so frustrating that so much of this they just outright refused. And, you know, when Fran Drescher was doing her um, press conference right after the strike was announced, she even expressed that she was really blown away, that she said she yeah. really went into this thinking like, this is reasonable. They're going to work with us. And they just were flat out stonewalled on so many of these proposals. Yeah. So many of them are like, we would just like to talk about this. <laughs> like, maybe we could have a discussion or just like a monthly little meet and greet about it. And they're just like, rejected. <laughs> Rejected. Yeah, I mean, everything that I've read gives the impression that the AMPTP really was not prepared for SAG to strike, that they really yeah. did not see this coming, which is very strange to me, but also just confirms my belief that they are wildly out of touch and that, again, they have such a limited perspective of what the industry is like. And they're probably thinking about those big name stars making tons of money when the reality is there's 160,000 members yeah. of SAG. And, uh, you know, I heard someone say this on Twitter and um, I think it was Ashley Nicole Black was saying, you can't name 160,000 famous oh, yeah, actors. Yeah. You, you just can't because we're not all famous. We're not all famous, you know, but you would notice when like that favorite person you see in Law & Order, that character actor, when they're gone or if they're CGI or yeah. AI, oh, God. you're going to notice. Yeah. Oh, my God. So uh, scary. And the last negotiation point I want to talk about uh, is the request for paid auditions. Yes. Can you explain this a little bit? I you know, I don't think people have a sense of what the audition process is like and how it's changed since COVID. You know, I, maybe traditionally you thought, oh, don't you just drive around all, L.A. all day drinking water bottles and, yeah. you know, talking to casting directors. Uh, but COVID really changed that where now actors are usually recording these from home. Yeah. And not just they have to be directors, lighting, you know, they have to find a friend to read with them. So what exactly is SAG asking for in terms of help? Yeah, so the self-tape phenomenon really came about during the pandemic. There were some self-tape auditions before, but in the issue of safety, people are being asked to record their auditions at home. And on the one hand, it opens the door for more actors to get involved and potentially book roles. But to your point, it's also asking folks to do their lighting, do their camera, yeah. do, you know, in addition to learning all of the lines for the auditions and then edit all the footage together and then turn it around. <laughs> turn it around in 24 hours. In 24 if you could, hours. If even end of day sometimes. Right. And so as a result, all of these self-tape studios have popped up. Yes. Um, where you can go and you can pay a fee and they will 
shoot it for you and they'll edit it together oh, yeah. and turn it around. Um, and it's it's costly. Yeah, it's it's a hundred dollars. I've had to do this because I just was like, I don't have time to, yeah. to work this out in my apartment or I'm traveling. And I can tell you as someone that's been on the producer side, they won't even look at it if it's bad quality. Yeah. They just won't even it doesn't matter how good your audition is, if it's too dark or your audio is messed up or something like that, or you're out of focus, which yeah. God, there's nothing worse than tape being like, I fucking nailed that take. Yeah. And then it's out of focus. <laughs> you're like, because no one is there. You're doing it by yourself, yeah. you know? Um, and what I was doing a lot of times is I would like record the other person's lines on my phone and then I would like play it. And, and there's like this whole freaking uh, timing yes. thing of like, timing, like, like trying to get it. Just, it. Right? just, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. it's just bonkers. And, and, and actually, so our contract currently does include payment for auditions, but it's right. just never been enforced. And it's one of those things where, you know, everyone would love to do it, but nobody wants to be the first one to ask for it because it's like, well, if I ask for it and nobody else is asking for it, then I'm I'm probably not going to get called back. But the thinking is, if you are called for an audition, we are asking that it's disclosed if there's already an offer out because that's something that happens a lot of times. You get called to do a self-tape yes. audition. You spend that money to tape and there's already an offer there's out. already, yeah, already an offer and the next day you open deadline and you're and like, there oh, it is. Cool. And you're like, really glad that I spent the money to tape that audition and learn yeah. all those lines. Like, so that's, oh, I, I was just up against this for, like, Michaela Cole got it. Cool, cool, cool. Exactly. <laughs> and so there has been, you know, some pushback from people saying, well, if they pay for auditions then less people are going to get called. Yeah. That's actually a good thing. Yeah. That means that they will be more intentional about calling people that actually have a potential to get booked for the role. And then that means if you're not getting those auditions, that's time that you can go devote to getting another job yeah. or, you know, writing something, writing or, anything else. Exactly. Or doing whatever else you need to do versus spending money to audition. Um, and again, if we're getting the residuals, for example, there is a world in which, OK, maybe you're not getting a lot of auditions, but you're making residuals off of the work that you did book already. Yeah, it's just as you can you can tell, it's just all very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it really, really is. And I, I think again for people who have countered with, well, you know, it's it's acting, it's writing, like this is a hobby, blah, blah, blah. The reality is this has the potential to trickle down to a number of industries. If you see another person advocating for themselves and saying, We deserve to be treated better, and you're thinking, What about me? Yeah, girl, what about, what about you? you? What about you? You absolutely should be paid fairly. Yes. You absolutely should not be taken advantage of. You absolutely should be able to get an apartment in the city that you're required to, to yes. work in. You should be able to, to make a living, whatever it is that you're doing, because the people at the top they're making tons of money. They're making it. And Why yeah. aren't you making it too? And you should have protections against AI and absolutely. a robot taking your job. I think we all want that. Yes, so absolutely. Why not help, you know, support the actors and, and getting that and the writers, all yeah, of us. Yeah, I don't know. It's just so much. There's, there's obviously a lot of other things in the negotiations. Uh, a lot of it is about wage increases, revenue sharing. Some of it is pretty similar to what the WGA is asking for. So if you want all the details, the nitty gritty, go dive into that because we're not about to stay here and talk about <laughs> <laughs> like 11% adjusted over inflation four years. But all, mostly what you need to know is that in response to all of this, uh, AMPTP said, no, thank you. Rejected. Yeah, yeah. So they're the ones who aren't coming to the table. So if you're upset about your favorite show getting pushed, you know, the fact that you're, that movie you were waiting for isn't coming out till 2026 now, that's not our fault. That's yeah. not the union's fault. No. Okay, they could pay us whenever they want. <laughs> it's so true. We we would love to go back to work. AMPTP, if you're listening, call us. Yeah. You have our number. Yeah, we're just waiting for you to say, let's go back to the table. Mm -hmm. Let's have the talks. Let's go. So while we're on strike, there are a lot of things that actors cannot do. Yes. Can you give us an overview of that? So the most bare bones way to understand it is we are withholding our services from the studios. And that means acting services. That means hosting. That also means promotion. Um, and so as many people saw, uh, the cast of Oppenheimer walked off of, you know, from the premiere. Yeah. Um, there's not any press or promo. You're not seeing all the big name actors sharing on social media about their movie. Um, they're not doing podcast interviews about their shows. And the reason for that is, again, a full work stoppage to show the studios you cannot do this work without us. Um, and so I, I get it. It's been 
frustrating for everybody, especially when you pour your heart and soul into something yeah. and you want to share. You want to you- share, especially I, I have friends who have projects they've been working on for years yeah. that are finally coming out. And it's just such horrible timing yeah. that you can't scream about how amazing they are. But Overall, we know we're doing this to better the industry. Yeah. So it's just one of those hits you have to take. Yeah. But that led to a lot of fans going, well, what about what I can do? Can right. I support for my favorite shows? What can influencers do? And there was some language that, that SAG announced around this, but it was really confusing at yeah. first. <laughs> where the original one kind of made it seem like people were like, you can't even say you're a fan of a TV show yeah. or you're going to be scabbing. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing that's worth remembering. The last time WGA and SAG were both on strike was 1960. Yes. There was no social media. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I think especially for people who've grown up with social media and they've always had it and they can't conceptualize a world where we didn't have it, you have to remember that there are people in this industry that are still coming from a very traditional view of the the marketplace. And so when we first started, people weren't thinking about influencers. You know, they were just like, hey, like we're thinking about us, right? So the influencer standards didn't go up for a few days. I mean, they were actually very proactive in getting them up. Yeah. But essentially what SAG and WGA are asking is for anyone who even has aspirations to join the union. So maybe you aren't a member now, but something that you do want to do in the future to support and stand with us. Because what is happening is that the studios are going out to any and everyone that they can because they're like, well, I don't have this big name actress to promote the movie. So I'm going to go to this TikToker that has three million followers and I'm going to give them way less money than we would have to be giving the actors. But to the TikToker, they're like, this yeah. is the most oh. money I've ever been offered yeah, to do anything. Like, oh, it's just a brand deal. They're not even thinking about exactly. how this plays into the, you know, the strike or what they could be doing. You could be seen as scabbing. Right. Uh, it's just, oh, this is just a brand deal. This is so exciting. And it is so clear the studios are desperate. Absolutely. I think we saw with one premiere, they had... That uh, red carpet, <laughs> no shade, but a lot of y'all were yeah. on that carpet. You've never been anywhere. No, that red carpet, I... <laughs> je- <sighs> I genuinely felt so bad for, like, these just actors who yeah. work in the park who had to do these roles. Yeah. And it's just, just cancel it. But, okay, you know, they did that. But it feels like they're getting even more desperate. I know uh, the t- Turtle movies coming out. Uh, but for their promo, they reached out to if the, you the zombie kid. The zombie kid who like said when he was uh, like five years old, he was like, I like turtles. They found him today and they have him doing He's like, like a twenty-five-year-old man. Like <laughs> yeah. no one recognizes zombie paint. Nobody really recognizes him. <laughs> and he's just like, I like I like turtles still and watch the movie. Yeah. And I'm just like Okay, they couldn't even get a good influencer for yeah. that one. Yeah, they're real desperate. And I will say that I, my hope is that it was because so many influencers said no. And I will I will say that I've seen tremendous solidarity from creators online. There's definitely been people that have pushed back and have stomped their feet. And to that, you know, that was frustrating and disappointing for me to see Especially because, like, what, the actor strike has been going on week three? Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God, what am I going to do? I can't go to this red carpet. What about my Getty image? How will I feed my children? Like, oh, no. guys, we've been on strike for 90 days. But what about my press box? <laughs> exactly. Like, I would like to work, too, right? And and ultimately, you have to make that choice for yourself. No one is forcing you to not do promo for the studios. You are absolutely allowed to do and will do whatever it is that you want. Um, but we are asking, especially for those who, you know, enjoy our work. You come home from a long day and you turn on the TV and you watch our shows. You share memes and gifts with our characters. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're quoting things from these shows. There are people that are working to create that content. And we're sharing, like, we're not being paid fairly. And and many of us are struggling to make ends meet. And it's definitely a sacrifice in order to withhold doing promotion for brands, especially if that's what you're making a living off of. I 1000% understand that. Um, And again, you have to make the choice for yourself. But I try to remind people that especially in this industry, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And so you make a sacrifice now in order to reap the rewards of it later on. And I can tell you as somebody that worked as a content creator and an influencer for a very long time, it's good over here. Yeah, The healthcare, I've 
got I got dental. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like my teeth look clean and good. <laughs> like I'm taking care of. Yes. And and it's it is a level of security and support that is just immeasurable. And there is also an influencer agreement. So again, there is a world in which if you are a content creator, you could join the union as a creator, but also as a voiceover artist yeah. or as a host. You know, there are a lot of creators that podcast are getting hosts. podcast yeah, hosts or or getting the opportunity to host uh, an unscripted show. Yeah. Maybe you're going to be on, on one of those streamers doing a competition show or something like that. All of that counts. Yeah. Maybe you're a stand-up comedian and you get the opportunity to have your own show. I mean, I really want to encourage anybody who creates content online to think bigger than the immediate. Yes. If you want to be reviewing movies in your bedroom for the rest of your life, <laughs> you go ahead and do that. Kill but it. I Keep know there are it. people that want to do more. I implore you to look at the Issa Rays and the Quinta yeah. Brunsons and the Bo Burnhams of the world who started making rinky-dink content at home and are now accepting Emmy Awards and are now, you know, the face of makeup brands and have award-winning albums. I mean, there's more that you can do. And again, it just requires thinking long-term yeah. and making the sacrifices and right now. Yeah, let me tell you, this, the other thing about this industry, people don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> Memory is long in Hollywood. It is so true. So let me tell you, you think, oh, nobody's going to notice if I do this little TikTok brand deal, mm-hmm. blah, 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 for this movie and show up to this. Nobody will notice. I'll just delete the pictures. No, people will notice. Yeah. And they will remember. Well, another thing is, too, to your point about memories being long, This industry requires a level of trust. I want to know that if I have to be on set with you for 12 hours, that you're somebody that I want to be around, that you're somebody who's going to have my back when we're acting in a scene, that you're going to be there to make me look good, right? That we're going to be on a press tour and and you're going to be supporting the show and and supporting the brand and supporting the network. And so that is part of this as well, that we want to know that these are people of high caliber that we want to invite into this industry. And that right now we're working for, you know, again, you might not be a member, but when and if you get the opportunity to, we're withholding our work so that you're taken care of, so that you don't deal with nine months waiting to get paid, so that you, you know, get (laughs) that. You get a lunch break. You get a lunch break. (laughs) Somebody helps you with relocation. That that we have your shade range. We don't want you looking casket ready for your first time on TV. your first time. That's us. That's us caring. So come on. Because it's not going to happen if you're out here like, I'm king of the scabs. Listen. (laughs) Well, and that's the other thing, too, is like, it's baffling to me that someone would hear writers and actors say, we're not being paid well, and say, this is my opportunity. You think you're going to be paid (laughs) well? Right. You think it's going to be a lot? If it's not a lot for For us. us, You think they're paying the temps a lot? It's not going to be a lot for you either. And guess what? It's going to take you nine months to, by the time you get paid, the strike's going to be over. Right. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. There are people who are TV critics, who share their work online, who are writing articles, who do make videos of, you know, the stuff they're writing criticism about. And a lot of people were calling them out as scabs and saying, you shouldn't be promoting this. It's a TV show. You shouldn't be writing about it. If you're under contract, again, there's a really big difference if you are a TV critic and that's what you do for a living, you are under contract with whoever it is that you're writing for. We're not asking you to break the contract that you have. Right. Similarly, you're to, basically a journalist. Absolutely, you're, you know, to say that a TV critic uh, is inherently scabbing here would be basically saying all TV critics are just doing promo, <laughs> like right. we're all just PR people. Yeah, but you know, they aren't 
always, you know, praising these shows. Sometimes it's it's negative criticism. So that's sort of the difference of, of why people are like, no, this is okay. It's a totally different industry. Yeah. These are writers, not people who are going to be in a TV show someday. Right. But people have had a hard time kind of separating that difference. Yeah. And, and I get it. I think at the heart, people are trying to do the right thing. But I think there's also this rush to like label people. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we're trying to get back to work. This is not about branding people as scabs. It's not about saying this person's bad or this person's good. The goal is to get the AMPTP to come back to the table and everything else is a distraction. And so if you are concerned or you are confused, all of the guidelines are very clearly laid out on the SAG After website. You can also email them. Um, Yeah, they they are very active. They are very, very active. I think when I sent a message, I got something back in like two days. But I know other people who are not members that got equally quick responses and so much of the interest about the influencer um, agreement, they actually went ahead and put up a special page dedicated to influencers because of the response, right? Yeah. And so there are um, guidelines for journalists as well. I've seen a lot of journalists and and, um, critics putting on their uh, article, you know, we support the strike. Yeah. You know, we want fair pay and equity or this this promotion was recorded before the strike, recorded before the strike. Exactly. Um, And so we're getting tremendous support across all industries and it has been incredibly heartening. And I just remind everyone, I know it's confusing. I know this (laughs) this is my first strike. You know, I I did not anticipate becoming like a voice of the writer's (laughs) strike or the actor's strike. I'm really thankful that people care and and they're listening and they want to help and support. You know, the best advice that I can give is if you have a question and something doesn't feel right, erring on the side of caution is is always a good thing. Yeah. Just be cautious. Shoot them an email. I did, you know, obviously I do a whole podcast about TV. I had to be like, what can I talk about? What can we do here? What's what's the deal? And they were so just helpful in breaking down all the rules and what we can talk about uh, because they don't want people out of work. There are things actors can still do. Uh, You can still do music videos, commercials. Uh, there are things that are under different contracts. Uh, so they're really making that clear, you know. Yeah. We, we don't want you completely, you know, out here broke. Yeah. We're doing this effort. We care about you. So just don't be afraid to yeah, reach out. Yeah, and also for writers, actors, crew people, there's the entertainment fund. I mean, we know yeah. a lot of people are out of work right now and are experiencing financial hardship. SAG has their own fund. The WGA has their own fund. And then the entertainment fund uh, is available, for example, to crew members, makeup artists, hairstylists, yeah. people who aren't in like the writer or actor uh, positions. Yeah. Again, we knew that this was a potential uh, situation and we tried to make sure that all of our memberships were prepared for it. But we also understand the reality of like, this is a difficult time. Uh, And I do know uh, we have been uh, asking people to donate to the entertainment fund here, uh, which also does cover people kind of like me, comedians. Mm -hmm. If you can show for a certain amount of years that you have made a certain amount of money from entertainment, even if you aren't in the guild, you can get help. So I know originally I was like, oh, I don't think that applies to me and then I looked into it and I was like oh actually it does yeah so you know we're I feel like it's just such a coordinated effort that it's like obviously we're gonna win this yeah I mean it's it's been really incredible to just see how much planning and organizing and just how many people are involved in making all of this happen and and again it's been really really inspiring yeah there is a a controversy that's come up with SAG People might have seen this coming up a lot last week. Mm-hmm. They have been giving out these interim agreements. Yes. Uh, so we saw that some people have been against them. Viola Davis, Sarah Silverman, Boots Riley. Uh, some of the films that have gotten waivers uh, include a project with Glenn Close. I think there's one with Anne Hathaway, yeah. uh, which honestly looks really good. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it was A24, which technically is not a part of the AMPTP. But why is there so much controversy around these waivers? You know, I think what's been difficult is there is leadership of SAG and then there are the members. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are in SAG that don't necessarily agree with what leadership is doing. Um, And not everybody has a direct line to leadership. And with any membership organization, there are always going to be differing opinions about things. And, you know, my diplomatic answer is I'm trying to trust our SAG leadership. Yes. I don't necessarily agree 
agree or understand the reasoning behind uh, the interim agreements, but I have to trust that they believe that it's the right thing to do. Um, I believe that similar agreements were offered in 2007 by the WGA. So it's not a new thing. And my my best understanding of it— Yeah, I think last time they did a waiver for, like, the Grammy Awards. Yeah. And so things like that typically—it allows people to work on things that would typically be struck. Right. Uh, And I think my understanding of it is— you know, we are not striking against indie productions. There are a lot of um, indie productions that are still SAG eligible. They they go ahead and they make sure that their um, production is run to SAG standards. And so we're not trying to harm those productions. That's my best understanding. Yeah. There are absolutely people that don't agree with it, right? Sarah Silverman made a video about it. Um, I Most recently, Viola Davis said that she's going to pause on the project despite it being offered a waiver. It's not possible for everybody to agree. But I'm trying to remind myself and and fellow members that our enemy, quote unquote, is the AMPTP. Not each other, not these productions. And again, I'm not in leadership, so I can't surmise why they have or haven't made certain choices, despite how I might feel about it. But what I'm trying to do is remain steadfast and say, look, I'm in here for the long haul. And this little thing that's happening over here is not going to distract me from the goal which is getting back to work. Exactly. And I think it is a a big distraction. I know a lot of it is people saying, well, these are independent movies, but some of them will get distribution on major streaming channels. You know, if we know that movie is going to be on Apple TV, you're still giving them content, even if it is an independent studio. But then, as some people have mentioned, and this is where it got kind of complicated for me, but these independent productions can apply for the interim agreements from SAG uh, that allow them to continue filming if they agree to abide by the terms of whatever deal is eventually reached. So part of these like interim agreements is that they have to abide by the you know, new agreement that we're fighting for. Yeah. So. And I guess the logistics behind that is to say, like, it's possible, right? Like, what we're asking for is not unreasonable. This production says, yeah, yeah, we're we're down to do that. That sounds totally fair. We will pay our actors based on the new residual model. We will make sure that they're able to have accommodations, whatever, you know, whatever other stipulations that are applying to that specific production. That's my understanding. But they're like, look, it can be done. Um, Yeah, because I was like, oh, if A24 is like, we can do that, no problem. I was like, you're telling me Disney can't? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And I, I do think that that's part of the rationale. And again, I have to trust and believe because, look, I've never organized a strike before. How'd they get that strike website up so quickly? I don't know. So fast. Somebody figured it out. They got T-shirts at the picket line. They got snacks. I mean, like... Somebody is putting all of this stuff together. We got a little check-in where they swipe a card and then you, they, you're you accounted for. I don't know how all of those things are happening, but they happen. <laughs> They're doing and it. And so in this instance, I don't necessarily understand all of the things. And in, you know, my one-time recurring character, you know, uh, IMB, IMBDB, I am, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, my brain is already struggling to, to put it together. I don't know, but I have to trust that leadership is making the right decision that's going to benefit all of us. Yeah. Because ultimately, you know, we're all in this together and we're trying to come to a resolution that's going to benefit all of our members, including the background actors, including, you know, the the dancers, the actors, everybody. Every, so yeah, I just have to trust and believe that we're doing the right thing. Yeah, there are things at play that we we can't all see, but they're they're seeing it. So we got to trust them, uh, particularly when the AMPTP is doing some shady, shady stuff. Because oh, uh, yeah. this week they announced that they might start doing force majeure on overall deals. Yeah, An overall deal uh, is when a production studio or network decides to work with a writer and basically say, we're going to pay you this much money over a year, over, you know, whatever amount of time is in the contract, and we're going to pay you ahead of time whether or not we develop your shows or not. Yes. That's basically an overall, or if someone, what is it, when they... Uh, a first look? Yeah, first look deal. Yeah, and a is. first look is usually like, you let us look at it first, and then we decide if we want it or not, and then you can take it elsewhere. Yeah. And so it's essentially you're getting a salary for the purpose of you developing content to potentially live with that production company or studio. Yeah, and it's what writers dream of, right? Yeah. This is a wonderful way as a writer to have a steady income. Yeah, and sometimes uh, actors get them too. Yeah, so it's something that people 
want to do. They love it. It also, I think, helps to support and build talent in the industry. Right. Uh, when you see someone who was an amazing writer on an HBO show and they get an overall deal, that's helping to, you know, nourish their voice and mm -hmm. to get them additional content made. So I think recently we've seen a lot of those deals go to people of color and women, and it's yeah. really exciting. So this week they said, well, a lot of those deals, because you've been on strike, are about to hit the 90-day clause. Right. Where we can say, you haven't worked for 90 days, we're going to cancel this contract. And for some of the bigger people, say your Shonda Rhimes. Ryan Murphy's. Ryan Murphy's. They don't really have to worry. They have these overall deals, but they added little clauses after the last strike. Because <laughs> uh, after the last strike, a lot of people got their deals shut down. So they added these clauses that said, you can't end our deal unless you end every production we've made for you. Right. So you can't say no to Shonda Rhimes or she's going to take Bridgerton with her. Right. <laughs> so they're safe. But really, who will be hurt in this are the sort of mid-level writers who have these deals, those people of color, those women who have just gotten in the door with these deals. What does this mean for the industry to you? Like what? Because to me, I'm just like, this is going to have an impact when we're looking at, you know, a TV schedule eight, nine months from now. And we're like, how come it's not diverse? How come we're seeing yeah. like more white TV? I mean, unfortunately, it all comes down to money. They don't want to give us money. And I think that they are trying to find ways. I mean, eventually this has to end, right? And so what has to happen is they need to make their shareholders happy. And so if they're going to give us a little bit more money, that money has to come from somewhere. And I think that that's what a lot of them are deciding. Like, well, if we get rid of X amount of overall deals, we're going to save money and then we'll we'll give that little sliver of money to the actors and the writers. It is unfortunate, and you're correct, that the people that will suffer are the marginalized voices that don't often get an opportunity to work in this business. My hope is that when we make the advancements that we're making with residuals, for example, with increased fees for staff writers, script fees, things that we haven't had in the past, that that will help those marginalized voices get their foot in the door, be able to make a sustainable living in this business. And hopefully, you know, those are the people that will get an opportunity to have overall deals in the future. It's really disappointing that that, that yeah. we're at this place. We're all having to make sacrifices. I yeah. know there are a lot of people that have worked really, really hard to get to a place in their career where they've gotten those overall deals. And the thing that I try to remind myself at every juncture of my career is that I'm highly employable. And so if, if I'm not working right now, this is a temporary situation. And again, the strike is not going to last forever. Yeah. There are people who will potentially lose their overall deals. We're going to come back. We're going to be making more money. <laughs> yeah. the, you know, there, there's going to be a moment where the where the industry needs new shows. Lots of people are are cooking up ideas for scripts and features right now. And, you know, the doors are going to open and everybody's going to be ready to go back to work. Yeah. Similarly to the 2007 strike, there was a beautiful birth of like new uh, scripted television after the strike was over because people were excited to go back to work. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that that's going to be the case here as well. I think so. Uh, and also, I know some people got mad about the this overall deal in general because they think that most of them go to people who are already famous like a Donald Glover or Phoebe Waller-Bridge and they go, oh, well, they paid her millions in her overall deal and she didn't even make anything for them. Right. And it's like, you don't understand, she's doing work. Yeah, she she's, absolutely is. Yeah, she's not just sitting around. She's not sitting around. It's not her fault if Amazon chose not to actually create any of those shows, but those people are working. You yeah. know? So these overall deals, it is a real threat that they're making this week, particularly after saying they want us to lose our homes, right? Yeah. Letting us cutting down trees so people can get heat stroke. You know, it's so clear they don't they don't care about us. And this overall deal threat that they've pulled out this week is just the next step. But it doesn't matter because we're going to stay strong. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else you want people to know about the strike that they should be aware of? Yeah. I mean, if you would like to support the strike, if you're in New York or L.A., we would love to see you on the picket lines. You do not have to be an actor or a writer. We are very happy to have support from fans or 
pre-WGA is what we often call people or pre-SAG, uh, we would love to see you. You can go to the website WGAContract2023.org or SAGAFTRASTRIKE.org yeah. um, and, and join us on the picket lines. You can also donate to the Entertainment Fund or donate to the SAG Entertainment Fund through our websites. And again, if you're unclear on any of the provisions for the strike, all of it is laid out for you on the website. It's right there. Uh, and by the way, you can donate at entertainmentcommunity.org. Make sure to direct your gift to the film and television category when asked. Very important. Uh, any plugs, final thoughts? Oh, I'm super excited to share that I have a podcast premiering September 13th called Let Me Fix It. Uh, you can listen to our trailer. It's my best friend and I reviewing our favorite movies and TV shows and books and brands from the past and then re-envisioning how we would make them relevant for today. It's going to yeah. be so fun. Uh, as you know, it's a long process to get a podcast it from long, long inception <laughs> to out in the world, but we're super excited. And uh, it's going to be really fun. And, and you know what? We would we would love to have you on if, Please, if there's a world for this that. This has been so great. Oh, thank you thank so much you for having for me. Thank you for just breaking down this compli- complicated <laughs> stuff. Like, usually we're just on here talking about 90 Day Fiance and being stupid. <laughs> and then I was like, I got to bring in someone smart to, <laughs> to, to make this clear to the people. Oh, my God. Well, uh, thank you so much. And, you know, you've really done a great job on Twitter of, like, educating people and and really kind of demystifying the industry. And so I really appreciate like most you of it. It's just me retweeting you going, so true. So, so true. Uh, and did you say where people can follow you? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Cheska Lee, C-H-E-S-C-A-L-E-I-G-H. Um, I'm on TikTok at Fran Cheska yes. Lee. And I would recommend the TikToks. Cause... Oh, yes. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> Get, Get into the beautiful apartment. Oh, my goodness. Oh, amazing. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, this was really great. Thanks so much, Ashley. TV I Say with Ashley Ray is an Earwolf production made by me, Ashley Ray Harris. It's engineered by Abby Aguilar, produced by Scott Sani, executive produced by Amelia Chapelo, and our original theme song is by Rafia. It means so much to me if you go rate, review, subscribe, follow TV I Say. Let us know what you think and tell your friends. Share with your golden girls. Tell your boys. If you love my TV recommendations, let everyone you know know. For special TV club members, join my Patreon. 